Well, free agent period has begun. There's been quite a lot of rumors, quite a lot of rumblings, quite a lot of chatter, and still no signs of Alex Petrangelo anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely going to be an interesting week. It's been an interesting week so far, especially the weekend. Um, but uh, we're going to talk a lot about a lot about that uh, in today's yep. episode. But uh, yeah, welcome back to the Behind the Net podcast. As usual, this is uh, episode forty-five. Um, the Jonathan Bernier episode, as we as we were talking about before. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Matthew, and joined with me today is... Michael, one of the other hosts. And uh, yeah, man, uh, how how is your week so far? It's been good. Uh, school's been school. Work's been work. It's, you know, how I, I think I said this last week, but you're getting, I'm getting into that routine now where things are kind of settling in and that's kind of, oh, that's okay. I, I'm glad to get to be in that position. What about you? Same here. Work's just been work. Uh, just been chilling. Uh, it's actually Thanksgiving Day right now as we record. So yes. spend some time with the family uh, and spending some more after after we record this. And uh, yeah, just just been kind of chilling. Uh, same old, same old has been the story of kind of this whole pandemic era, really. Exactly. You mm-hmm. know, I want to say since this is a Thanksgiving special, I'm there's I'm thankful for two things. Number one. Kyle Dubas for the moves he made in free agency this week, which we'll get into later. And number two, I want to be thankful for the sports leagues that uh, did a bubble successfully and uh, finished their playoffs without a single case of COVID. And that's the NHL, the NBA, the WNBA, and a few others I'm not thinking of, but good job. You, you managed to, mm-hmm. you did something that no one thought could be done. Mm-hmm. And I mean, uh, we want to say, I mean, uh, we want to say shout out to, uh, both uh, the Seattle Storm, who won the the WNBA championship, and the Los Angeles Lakers, who last night won the uh, NBA championship, and I mean we could talk about that a little now. Uh, just a little hint: we have uh, we have a great interview coming up in this episode uh, about you know we'll be talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL free agency and kind of everything that's been going on. But uh, mm-hmm. in terms of basketball, yeah, I mean the Lakers and LeBron James. Uh, I have a question. I have a couple questions for you about that, but. Isn't it amazing just to be witnessing LeBron James right now? It is. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as we like to uh, be upset about him because he always owned the Raptors, like LeBronto was that big meme <laughs> from a few years ago. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it still hurts even now. But you can't deny that LeBron is probably one of, if not the greatest basketball player we've ever seen. And oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's hard to argue against it because he's done so much, achieved so m- many things. He's got the accolades to prove his uh, success, and and now that he's still doing what he's doing at uh, his ripe old age of thirty five, it's it's very impressive. I want I'm curious to see how much more he's got in the tank. Oh, for sure, and I, I don't even want to make it about you know a goat debate or not. The fact that he's chasing Jordan for the goat status is just absolutely insane. I mean, you know that just instead of you know even trying to compare them to, I mean, we gotta just appreciate greatness. I mean. Uh, LeBron James obviously has his fourth title now and honestly I think he has a lot more gas in his tank still I think he's 35 but he's playing like he's still in his prime you know longest prime ever and uh I honestly could see him going another four or five years even who knows yeah I was just about to ask how long his career is I'm probably in the same boat as he was uh four or five more years of a quality play and it's even possible that he could continue to play even longer who's to say that he could uh settle into a depth role uh, in his 40s and keep playing Mm -hmm. oh for sure and i don't even think it's a depth role 
Honestly, I think even when he's 40, he'd be the, the leading superstar. I think he's going to be that depth, depth, like that insanely of a player. I think what will stop him is injuries to the point where I don't think his actual skill or his ability to compete will um, diminish at all. I just think, you know, it'll, it might stop him from playing full seasons. And uh, either injuries or, I mean, just like Michael Jordan did, you know, when it comes to the greats, I mean, there's only so much to achieve before, you know, they want to um, they want to hang it up, you know, and uh, they feel like they've accomplished enough. And, you know, LeBron, LeBron is right now chasing Jordan. But um, I think I think his career still has a lot more time left. Yeah, I think it really comes down to that as well as a lack of motivation, if that's what's going to prevent him from continuing to play. Because I know LeBron has aspirations of potentially going into acting, which is part of why he moved to L.A., if you remember, back in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, Can't wait for Space I, I Jam think, too. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's going to be a fun one to watch. But, yeah, it's going to be great to see uh, what else he's got to offer. And uh, who knows? Maybe he could still has another team uh, he'd want to help win another championship with. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, it's just, it's just awesome, and uh, we'll just see, we'll see how, uh, how they celebrate, and we'll see how uh, this off season. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the NBA off season. So, congrats mm-hmm. to the Lakers, and yeah. But uh, I think we'll start. Uh, we'll head into, we'll transition into our next segment. Um, if you want to introduce us to that. Well, it's uh, been quite the week for uh, the NHL. Uh, as you probably could uh, tell uh, by if you looked at Twitter for the last couple of days, uh, the draft was crazy. Free agents be, has been crazy despite the lack of uh, moves. And it's just been a lot of chatter on uh, on what's going to be happening. Obviously, we know the biggest story is whatever's going on with Alex Petrangelo and why he hasn't signed yet. But the Leafs have been doing quite a lot of moves as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, I mean, we could talk about that now, but we'll actually go right into uh, our interview with uh, Nick Richard from uh, from the Leafs Nation, a fellow writer with uh, along with us yeah, over there. Yes. And, uh, yeah, it was a great uh, interview, so how about we just hop right into that? This week, we are pleased to be joined by fellow TLN writer Nick Richard. He is also a writer and scout for Dauber Prospect and a proud member of Bill's Mafia like myself. Welcome to the show, Nick. How's it going? Uh, great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Happy to be here. Go Bills. Awesome, Go Bills. Awesome. <laughs> me being my uh, Browns fan self. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, they're off to a good start, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been great. It's been good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh... Oh, I was just gonna say, yeah. How how have you been doing uh, this weekend? Uh, it's been good, winding down a little bit after all the uh, pre-draft and post-draft coverage. But uh, Kyle Dubas has been busy too, keeping us on our toes with all kinds of transactions for the Leafs. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, what, yeah. Oh, go on. No, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, we were just gonna say uh, we we can go right into some hockey talk. I know we were just talking about you know getting that break there, but you know hockey never stops, right? pretty no. much <laughs> um but yeah so i guess we'll take it back to uh the draft which happened you know early last week um going into it what, what were your expected expectations for uh for the leafs going into the draft 
Well, there was a lot of talk leading up to the draft after the uh, Kapanen trade about potentially moving that 15th overall pick for some more immediate help for the current roster, but uh, they decided to hold the pick and make their selection in the first round. I think they got a pretty good value where they did with uh, Amarov at 15th overall, and uh, they still managed to address some of the team needs through free agency, even though they kept that pick. So it was nice to be able to do that and still add to the prospect pool after it's been depleted a little bit over the last couple of years. Absolutely. Uh, I know one of the things that uh, there was talked about was Kyle Dubas trading down in the draft, and we've seen it over the last couple of years that he's been more than willing to do just that. And it's worked out in spades more often than not, with the exception being in 2015 when they traded uh, Travis Konechny's pick for Travis Dermott and Jeremy Bracco. But so for this year, were you surprised that the Leafs did, did not trade down? Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I would say I was surprised. I think it might speak to how highly they had valued Amarov and the fact that he might have been a little bit higher on their board than where he even ended up going. So I think, it, well, Dubas has shown us in the past that if he feels there's comparable value further down the draft that he's not scared to move down, as he did in the second round, which worked out really well too, so... I, I believe that that speaks to how high they had Amrov on their board going into the draft. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, obviously, a lot of people expected uh, the Leafs to be taking, you know, a defenseman because you know defense is where they needed uh, what where, where you know prospects and players are needed in the Leaf system. Do you did you think uh, you know heading into it, did you think the Leafs needed to pick a defenseman, or do you think? Um, you know, picking uh, Amarov at 15 was, was the way to go. I, I think that they made the right decision. I mean, I, you can debate whether Amarov was the best player on the board, but it's clear that for the Leafs, he was the best player on the board. And you should always be trying to select the, the most talented player in the draft. Uh, you just have to look at the last two first-round picks that the Leafs have made were defensemen and Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren. And it, it's been... Th- two and three years respectively, and those guys are still just knocking on the door Mm -hmm. to make an impact for the Leafs. So you don't try, outside of the top couple of picks each year, you don't really try to address current needs in the draft. You should always be looking to add talent to your organization and fill in those holes through trades and free agency. For sure, for sure. So now that we're almost a week removed from the draft, um, how do you think the Leafs did overall? I guess you can give us a grade for their overall draft performance. Uh, I really liked their draft personally. I, I give them an A, and other scouts I've spoken with too. They've had rave reviews of the Leafs draft class. I mean, uh, a lot of people had uh, their second round pick, uh, Roni Hirvonen, as well as the guy they got at the top of the third after trading down, Topi Niemela. Uh, a lot of those other scouts that I spoke with had those two guys ranked at the top to the middle of the second round. So they basically doubled up their second round haul by trading down 15 picks and still got two really good players for sure for sure absolutely Mm -hmm. and you know there's this is a pretty big group of talent that the Leafs acquired this year 12 players I'm counting uh as I'm looking at the draft list on uh, hockey db we obviously know that Amirov is probably the most exciting of that bunch he's the highest drafted one and he was the one that pulled off of the cross school but is there anyone else uh, on this list that really stands out to you that you really like and who do you think uh, has 
the biggest long shot to make it to the NHL? Uh, I really liked a lot of their picks. Uh, one that's really exciting was uh, getting VD Mietnin in the sixth round. He just destroyed the under-20 finish league last year. He, he should have been playing in the, the men's league, uh, Liga, but he is planning on heading to the NCAA, so he had to stay in the junior leagues to uh, maintain his eligibility for the NCAA, but he just destroyed that league last year, and, and I thought he would go a lot higher than the sixth round. I mean, there's a there's a lot to like about his game. He's got his warts, too, as any late-round pick would. He, he's small. He's not the greatest skater for a small guy, but the offensive talent is just off the charts, and that's the kind of guy that's really worth taking a swing on that late in the draft. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, that's great. I mean, uh, and uh, I want to talk about, of course, going at the top. What can you tell us about, I guess, the big person um, that, you know, Leafs fans want to know about is uh, Amarov. Is he a player that can make a difference on this Leafs team in a few years, or what What, what kind is your projection with him? Oh, I think he's absolutely got uh, the potential to be a difference maker for this team, especially they've, they've had to sacrifice. We've just seen in the last few weeks and days uh, some of the depth scoring and depth wingers on their team in Kapanen and Janssen forced out the door because of salary cap issues, and they're looking to replace them with younger and cheaper guys like Nick Robertson or uh, a cheaper veteran like Jimmy VC. So to have a player like Amarov in the system who could step into, he's signed in the KHL to the end of this year. They say that he, they'll address him coming over to North America following this season. I, I expect him to probably stay in Russia for at least another year, but he's got the potential to at the high end, he could be a top six winger who could play alongside a Matthews or Tavares, but even if he doesn't top out and hit his ceiling, he's got so many tools that would make him an effective middle six winger, a guy who could really drive a third line, be a complimentary player on the second line. He, he transports the puck really well. He's a smart player away from the puck as well. He works hard in all three zones and he, he's not as small as people would have had you believe going out of the draft uh, his agent addressed that the following day and Dubas has mentioned it as well uh, those measurements are outdated the kid's closer to six foot one and 185 pounds uh, he's got all the tools to be a really effective NHL winger that's exciting to hear for for Leafs fans of course who want to have that player that's mm -hmm. very good at both ends of the ice and I think Obviously, we love to see these high-octane players that play exceptionally well offensively, which what you expect from a, from a winger. But yeah, he can do that too. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. But I'm just saying that it's that two-way play that's, I think, going to be super important, especially down the line when the Leafs are in a very tight up against the cap. And we've already seen the effects of it, like you said. But when you get guys like this in the cheap for the first couple of years, you're able to get the most out of them while they're on their entry-level contracts and provide that value in that way, or you could at least trade them to get immediate help, which is what we've seen contending teams do. Yeah, absolutely. And there was all that talk about them, you know, having to trade draft for immediate help, but they still have Amarov just because they didn't trade the pick. They still have the asset and he may turn out to be an even more valuable asset in just a few months than the 15th overall pick would have been at the time, depending on how he, continues playing this season over in the KHL he's off to a good start so 
yeah, I, I think he's still a very valuable asset, regardless of whether they were going to trade the pick or use him later on or just wait for him to develop and make an impact on this team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And sure. the fact that he's in the KHL at such a young age is very uh, exciting as well. Now, I know a lot of Lee fans were really hoping that Seth Jarvis would be available at number 15. Obviously, he got taken at the least original spot, number 13, going to the Carolina Hurricanes. And that was something that a lot of people were upset about. Schneider was another one that everyone was upset about. But I know we look at this draft class the Leafs had, and they did really well. Is there anyone, other than Seth Jarvis, of course, that you'd have liked to see the Leafs take? Uh, at 15, uh, Amarov at that point was the top guy on my board. I, I had a bit of wishful thinking, hoping a guy like Anton Lundell might continue to slide, but Florida snagged him. Um uh, Amarov was the top guy on my board at that point in the draft. I, I really liked Jarvis as well, but it wasn't uh, surprising that he was gone at that point. And then the next pick, Edmonton had uh, Dylan Holloway. He was another guy I liked around that spot, but uh, I, I'm really happy with Amarov in that spot, actually. Absolutely. Awesome. awesome, yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, looking, looking at the draft class as a whole, um, are there any other players uh, that kind of stand out to you as potential hidden gems, maybe in the first round or just in general, that, that was kind of on your radar? You know, it doesn't have to be a Leafs pick, but just in general. Uh, like I said, Lundell, I, I think that he was probably – I had him a lot higher than consensus. I had him a lot higher than where he ended up going. I just think he's such a smart player, and he projects so well to the NHL. He's almost a perfect fit behind Barakov in Florida, really just the same kind of player perhaps not the same kind of high-end offensive talent but just thinks the game so well plays such a responsible style he's just going to be a really effective two-way center in the nhl that's 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 a pretty good assessment as well mm-hmm. um just before we move on to free agency i just want to focus a bit on the top five picks of this draft uh lafreniere byfield Soul raymond and sanderson of those three, of those five players that I just mentioned, uh, obviously Lafreniere is probably the clear-cut uh, favorite, but is there any one of those players that you look and say, this player has a, the, could be super underrated uh, in terms of going into his uh, first year and might surprise people? Well, I think Sanderson is interesting, particularly because of the late climb that he made in the draft rankings. It was seemed like a, a steady rise for him all year to the point where he ended up going fifth overall. He, he definitely wasn't ranked that high in the early part of the season. So I, I think he's already probably surprised some people with that trajectory. And uh, I, I think he probably will continue to, as he develops in the Senator's system, they got a good one there. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, um, Sanders fans, if any Sanders fans are listening, yeah, I, th- I definitely think uh, Sanderson's a, a gem as well there. And uh, he definitely kind of went. It was a pick off the board there, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely gonna be interesting. Uh, I think the Senators in general are just gonna have a great future. Um, but yeah, they're rebuilding really well. They've oh, just yeah. loaded up on assets and high end prospects, and they've got all kinds of cap space. And remains to be seen whether Melnick will give them the okay to spend any of it. But They've definitely got a lot of high-end young talent. To come away with uh, Tim Stutzla and Jake Sanderson in the same draft, it's just it's silly. For sure. And uh, we'll round out the uh, draft questions here. I just have one more. Uh, were there any picks um, that kind of had you, that kind of took you back 
a little like like kind of surprised you or you thought it, it wasn't a good pick at that um spot uh a few uh i think definitely the uh the shakir pick by new jersey was surprising uh a lot of the scouts that i really trust and uh talk to they didn't have him anywhere close to being a first round pick some of them didn't even have them in their top 100 and I, I think another one that was surprising was uh, Columbus's pick of uh, Igor Shinikov. Uh, he was an, an overager, another guy who was ranked well outside the first round by, by most uh, scouting outlets. But there's obviously something in his game that Columbus really liked to take the plunge on him at that point. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's hard to fault them for going after the guy that they, they really liked and they were short on picks in the middle rounds as well. So... I can see why they would just take that dive on the a guy that they really liked. And another one was actually the Senators trading up for the Leafs pick in the second round to take Tyler Clevin and for the Leafs to be able to get out of that spot and still end up with Roni Hirvonen and Topi Nimala is just, that was a really nice piece of business for Kyle Dubas. I think uh, Nimala especially is going to prove to be a, a really valuable asset for this organization. I mm-hmm. think that's pretty good assessment overall of the least draft class. Uh, you heard it here first, and A for Nick. If you disagree with him, uh, let us know. <laughs> but uh, I think if in a few years' time, I think the Leaf fans are going to be very excited with the Leafs uh, draft class this year. Overall. Oh yeah, I mean I'm excited. I'm I'm super excited. I think this was a very a very strong uh, draft class. I mean, just to begin with, the draft classes, uh, you know, going into it was one of the strongest in, in recent history. Um, so. That means, you know, I mean, only time will tell, but I think there will, there will be a lot of gems similar to the kind of the 2015 draft even. Yeah, and again, the Leafs took a lot of swings on on uh, talented players who maybe have some things that would cause them to be undervalued in uh, traditional scouting assessments, you know, whether it be a lack of size or uh, maybe being a year older, or like uh, in the case of Axel Rindell and... Um, you know, maybe not being the best skaters or whatever, but still identifying traits that they see as high end and possibly projectable to the NHL at some point. So I think that's the way to go in the draft. They've shown that they can fill in the margins of the roster with, you know, undrafted free agents or in the trade market or signing bargain free agents. Uh, once the unrestricted free agency period opens up, it's weird now it's in October, not July. I almost got caught there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, since we're talking about free agency, uh, I'm sure you probably saw this on your timeline. Uh, we got happened. some breaking mm-hmm. news. Uh, I didn't see that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, it's, it's being broken now. <laughs> <laughs> breaking news on the podcast. Alec Vertrangelo did the thing we all expected, and he's signing with the Vegas Golden Knights. Woo. So, uh, I mean, the contract is 8.8 um, mil for seven years. Uh, any quick thoughts? Because... Honestly, I don't know. I, I think that was pretty much his going rate. And after the Leafs were kind of out of it, it's been, yeah, it's been expected that he'll sign with the uh, Vegas. Yeah, and I, first impression, like, the Leafs were never going to be able to make that number work. Oh, yeah. uh, we've seen the the dancing that they've had to do around the salary cap just to fit in the $5 million hit of Brody and the additions of, of Simmons and, and whatnot. So the amount of dancing around the salary cap that they would have had to do to fit in a number like that, it, it just, it was never realistic. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that's what that's really the all comes down to as much as it would have been nice to have Alex Petrangelo and clearly he would have been 
an amazing addition to this team on the right side and be the best defensive partner Morgan Riley's ever had. It just yeah. comes down to the money. The money was never going to work, like you said. And if Petrangelo wasn't willing to lower his costs, then so be it. Let him uh, go to Vegas. Yeah, I'm never going to fault the guy for going for his money. I mean, I don't know if you guys were watching any football yesterday and saw what happened to Dak Prescott. Mm -hmm. Just a horrible thing, especially for Mm -hmm. a guy who's still trying to earn that huge payday. So, yeah, I'm never going to fault the guy. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Uh, So, yeah, never going to fault the player for trying to to get what they're worth and, and get paid in their prime. So... So good for Petrangelo, and uh, yeah, it, it was just never going to work in Toronto with the with the salary structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll so, oh, go on, Michael. I was just gonna let's just talk about actually the players that the Leafs did end up getting. Uh, the first of all, the guy that they ended up getting instead of uh, Petrangelo was TJ Brody. I want to first talk about him a little bit because I feel like he's probably the biggest addition for this offseason. What do you think in the immediate few days since this signing was announced, uh, do you think he'll provide for this team? Uh, I think he's he was almost after Petrangelo. You know, if there was no salary cap or anything like that, Alex Petrangelo was obviously the most perfect fit for the Leafs and what they needed on their blue line. After Petrangelo... It's hard to argue that TJ Brody wasn't the next best option for them. So for them to be able to come away with him at a reasonable number, you know, he he got a slight raise on his last contract. You know, $5 million a year is manageable for this team. And uh, like you referenced before, Petrangelo would have been the best partner that Morgan Riley's ever had. TJ Brody will now be the best partner that Morgan Riley's ever had. And it probably isn't that close. So it will be nice to see Riley not have to carry his partner and actually have some help, a guy who can hold up his end of the bargain defensively and he can also move the puck too. So uh, we've seen in the past when Riley's been partnered up with a guy like Polak or Zaitsev or even Hainsey, those guys weren't really proficient at moving the puck out of the zone and opposing four checks would just zero in on Riley and, make his life miserable trying to get out of his own end. So he'll be able to, de- to defer to TJ Brody more than he would have any partner he's played with in the past. So it'll be nice for him to have some help both in the defensive end and getting out of the defensive end. Since you mentioned that, I want to shout out to Jock Hahn, who did a really good assessment of uh, TJ Brody's impact. And what yeah, he's that was awesome. Providing to- mm-hmm. Yes, I'm going to link that in the episode uh, link so you can give a read if you haven't checked it out yet. It's really good. Um, and I guess really just want to follow up in what do you think uh, TJ Brody's uh, defensive abilities uh, will be much of importance to this Leafs team and in terms of his just puck uh, transition game? Well, like I said, I think he just he upgrades the whole look of the blue line. And I mean, you could look at the group last year and I don't think anyone would argue that Tyson Berry isn't talented. He's obviously a very talented hockey player. He's got his issues, you know, maybe not the, the best defensive player, but but that was the issue is, sure, the Leafs had a lot of talent, but I think that the pieces didn't exactly fit the best, mm-hmm. whereas whereas Brody, he, he definitely fits more what this team was lacking and what they needed on the back end. He's responsible defensively. He's, he's just going to stabilize whatever pairing he's on whether it be with Riley or for some reason if he's 
paired up with Jake Muzzin. You know, he uh, Brody played on the right side a lot with uh, Mark Giordano, and I would probably say that while not the same quality of player, Jake Muzzin is probably more similar to Giordano than Riley is. Uh, I still think that they're going to try Brody with Riley to start the season, but but they do have a lot of options in the top four now, uh, just with the addition of Brody. And at the end of games, if it's not working out with Muzzin and Hall, you know, if they really want to solidify a shutdown pairing, they can throw Brody out there with Muzzin and we saw last year at the end of games, if they were down a goal, they would throw Dermot up onto the right side with Riley. So I, I think we'll see a lot of that as the season goes on. And uh, yeah, just Brody just stabilizes the whole, the whole back end for this team. He, he's everything they, aside from not shooting right-handed, he was everything that this blue line needed. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. I mean, I was going to say, like, I think back to even if you look at the trade deadline, I remember, we're all talking about, you know, what if the Leafs even swapped Tyson Berry for a TJ Brody, um, kind of just kind of searching for that fit. And I like to think that, you know, that Nazem Kadri trade um, still kind of works out for the Leafs because they were able to get an extended uh, TJ Brody out of it. You know what? It, it's almost better because I, I don't think anyone would argue that Mark Jankowski is as good as Alex Kerfoot and the reported trade with Calgary was... Kadri for Brody and Jankowski. So, I mean, in the end, we ended up with Kerfoot and Brody. It's kind of the best of both worlds if you just ignore mm-hmm. last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much oh, yeah. there. <laughs> but, uh, last year was uh, just back a to your, Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll leave in every that. sense of the word, 2020 <laughs> is a throwaway year. But going back to just to mention uh, that piece by Jack Hahn, he mentions that when he was working with the Leafs, uh, yeah, for those of you who don't know, don't know Jack Hahn uh, worked in the Leafs player personnel department uh, a couple years ago. He he was assigned to scout the Calgary defensive unit back in 2018, and he speaks about how Brody was the most impressive of the bunch and the the best fit for what the Leafs were looking for at the time. So this isn't like a spur of the moment addition. They, they've been tracking him since 2018. They tried to trade for him last off season. And they finally got their guy this time around. So I think there's a lot to be excited about. If if they've been targeting him that long, they, they really believe that he's what they need on the blue line. Mm-hmm. And I think he definitely fixes uh, a lot of the defensive problems, especially in, in the sense that, you know, especially when you look at it as a replacement for Tyson Berry, um, he definitely wasn't a fit because he was more, you know, of an offensive defenseman. And the Leafs really needed not just a right shot, uh, right right side defenseman, but uh, you know, someone who who actually plays that defensive game, which we haven't seen, you know, in Tyson Berry and Morgan Riley in those senses. So uh, yeah, I'm super excited for him. Um, on top of that, though, I mean, I want to ask you, how would you say the additions of you know Simmons and uh, both Simmons and Bogosian help uh, help the Leafs this season? Well, again, going back to what I said about the blue line and. Just not having the the right puzzle pieces, I I think they've probably addressed that to some extent with the additions of Simmons and Bogosian, just because they do bring something different than what this team had last year. Um, They were definitely lacking an element of grit or being tough to play against, the the Mm -hmm. catchphrase that Dubas has coined this offseason. So yeah, I, I think it definitely adds to to that element of the lineup and like last uh, last February or whenever it was that Buffalo 
bought out Bogosian and he was free to go wherever he wanted it. There was a lot of Leafs fans on Twitter pining for that kind of addition at the time, and I was really against it. I didn't think that Bogosian was worth uh, adding to the team at that time. But I'm going to take the loss on that. It's it's hard to argue after watching the guy go and sign with the Lightning. And not to say that he's the reason they won the Cup or anything, but he definitely played a role on that team and performed well, uh, especially alongside Victor Hedman uh, on that Cup run. So he will add an element that the blue line was missing. He's, he's good on the penalty kill. If you're asking him to be your, your third pairing or extra defenseman, I think a, a year at a million bucks is more than fine uh we saw last year how many defensemen this team had to use after injuries and whatnot so it, it's good to have a deep group and uh, yeah i think bogosian is a nice addition a guy that you can we were paying cody cc four and a half million <laughs> or something last year mm-hmm. to to do that job and probably not as well as bogosian can do it so i, th- I think that's a, a win for the leafs and adding a guy like simmons who really wanted to be here and those initial quotes after signing, you know, about if anything happens to the boy, I'll be the first to jump in or I can punch your head off and things like that. I mean, that's got to be music to, to the ears of a lot of Leafs fans who have been wishing for a guy like that since the days of Colt Nor or Frazier McLaren. Uh, I guess the, the hope here is that Simmons still has some game left on top of that. And, uh, you know, he's scored a lot of goals in the past. It's been a rough couple of years for him as far as driving play and stuff like that. But he's going to be a presence on the second power play unit in front of the net. He's going to chip in a few goals. I wouldn't be surprised if he hit 15 or 20 again, depending on who he's playing with. And he could could slide up and down the lineup potentially. Um, I mean, there's no reason not to try him with a, a Tavares or Nylander combination late in the game if you're you know you need that net front presence and it's not exactly like the the Leafs are ripe with offensive uh, talent after the big four so uh, we saw something out of Mikheyev last year but there's no guarantee that he's gonna you know blossom into a full-time top six winger and yeah Simmons shouldn't be in that kind of role full-time but he's done it in the past and playing a lot it wouldn't be the first time that John Tavares uh, boosted a winger so Oh yeah, absolutely. For sure. I'm super excited for Wayne Simmons. I mean, let's not forget, you know, he's only 32. So I mean, I mean, of course he's he's been declining, but I mean, yeah, we're paying him. You know, the Leafs are paying him, uh, pretty much fourth liner money to do, you know, to be yeah. a physical presence basically. And anything on top of that is kind of a bonus to his value. And let's yeah, not, exactly. I mean, like in New Jersey, he scored, uh, you know, eight goals, uh, 16 assists, uh, in 61 games, and that's that's decent. Um, if he could even be a, you know, if he could hit like 10 goals, 15 goals, like that's way yeah. more than what you're asking, like what you're paying him for. That's way like, yeah. And I, I should clarify value. that he probably is targeted for a role on the fourth line. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying we've seen him in the past, be able to, to play with offensively talented players. And he's, he does have a little bit of scoring touch oh, yeah. left in his game. I think he probably doesn't mm-hmm. get around the rink as well as he once did, but uh, he can still bang the puck in the net and stuff like that. So uh, he's definitely a nice addition to the forward group, and again, just a, a different kind of puzzle piece, a different flavor to to the group. You it's know, be good, yeah. there, there was no pushback from the forward group last year, it seemed, and, until Clifford was there. So uh, it'll definitely be nice to have that kind of presence uh, in the lineup every night. For Since sure. you mentioned Kyle Clifford, uh, there was a lot of talk about whether or not the Leafs did the right thing in letting him go. 
and signing Simmons instead. I know, for example, Kyle Cushman uh, tweeted the other day that he preferred Kyle Clifford over uh, Wayne Simmons. Correct me if I'm wrong if I'm getting the wrong getting the person wrong, but essentially, I just want to ask you: Do you think the Leafs were right in letting Kyle Clifford go, or do you think that despite his lack of offensive abilities, which we know Wayne Simmons had, Kyle Clifford does provide something that the Leafs are going to miss? Oh, I think that it, uh, he'll they'll definitely miss like the edge that he brought to the team in his short time here. But I don't know if they so much walked away from him as, uh, as he walked away from them. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw James Myrtle a few days ago, he had reported that the Leafs had offered Clifford uh, a three-year deal. And I don't know exactly what the salary was. I would have to assume it wasn't any less than the, the 1 million a year he took in St. Louis. Uh, so yeah, Myrtle had, reported that they offered him that three-year deal and he didn't take it um if he had taken it the Leafs uh third round pick that they sent to the Kings in that trade last year would have turned into a second so they were obviously interested in in retaining his services if they were willing to uh upgrade that pick in the in the trade with LA for Campbell and Clifford so in the end I think it probably worked out better they didn't commit any kind of term to Simmons. It, sure, it's another half a million dollars, but like we talked about, he's probably got a little bit more scoring touch. Uh, I did really like Clifford. I would have been happy to have him back on the fourth line, uh, even if it did cost us that that additional pick. Um, yeah, it was just something that this team was missing, and I think we even saw it with Kapanen last year after Clifford came in. It was almost infectious the way that Clifford you know, brought that edge to the game and I think we saw a little bit of that in Kapanen as the season wore on. Uh, obviously not enough to justify keeping him at that that salary. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I think we'll definitely miss Clifford. It's kind of a shame. He seemed so happy to be a Leaf and so excited to be here. And he just he seemed like he did fill a role that the team really needed. So kind of a bummer that we only got, you know, 15 to 20 games of that out of Clifford. But, uh in the same breath, I'm looking forward to seeing what Simmons can do in that role. Absolutely. I agree with all that. And I think I wanted to bring up touch on your last point there about being happy to be there, because I think that's one thing that these free agent signings that I've seen in common, when I've seen all the comments that all three of those players and a few others that we'll get to a little bit later have said, they're very excited to be coming to Toronto. They wanted to come to Toronto. And I know Zach Bogosian was fielding offers from uh, the Tampa Bay lining as an example, but he decided to come here Simmons was offered more money in Montreal. He came to Toronto. How does that bode well for not only the players already in the locker room, but just for the fans' confidence in this team and the what they're building? Well, yeah, I think it, it makes you believe that the the front office is building towards something here, and that uh, they've made uh, players around the league take notice, and they they want to come be a part of it. Guys like Simmons and Bogosian and. Even Brody, you know, Calgary ended up signing uh, Chris Tanev to the same term and a half a million dollars less a year. You, you got to think that they would have been willing to go five million with Brody as well. I mean, I don't know that for sure, but I, I definitely think that Brody is more than a half a million dollars a year better than oh, Chris yeah. Tanev. So uh, maybe it was. Uh, and Brody said himself that it was important to him that he knew Toronto had been after him in the past. They've shown interest in him for a long time. That was something that was important to him and probably made it a more appealing destination. But 
when you got young, talented players like Austin Matthews and Mitch Mariner, William Nylander, then you you had guys like John Tavares and Morgan Riley, Jake Muzzin. It's a pretty appealing situation to to be going into, especially for a veteran player who's you know trying to get that one more crack at a deep playoff run and maybe a cup. Uh, don't want to say that word too loud talking about the Leafs. <laughs> but yeah i think it definitely speaks to what dubas and his management staff have been building here uh, at those players like you said simmons took less money to come bogosian probably had other offers with maybe a bigger role and maybe a little more money he he was glowing in his assessment of uh, toronto when they asked him why he came here so yeah i, I think it's definitely exciting for fans that to see that there's free agents and stuff out there that want to be a part of this oh for sure and i think it gives you know it it kind of pushes them to want to play more because you know they want to make a difference here in their home city um so hopefully you know that that actually turns into some uh some results uh we're all hoping but um my next question is of course uh and what about you know the depth signings and the trade acquisitions uh smaller moves that, that the leaves made but um will they help the leaves one one's like Anderson, Boyd, and uh, VC. Uh, I th- I think the uh, the Travis Boyd signing was. I mean, you can't go wrong for a year at seven hundred thousand, the league minimum. You know, if he doesn't work out, you put him on waivers, you put him in the minors. It doesn't count against the salary cap. But he he's played some uh, some games at center for the Washington Capitals in the last couple of years. He I don't know a whole lot about him, but just looking at some of his uh, impacts and stuff like that, he. He, uh, he has put up good defensive results and, you know, he hasn't really given up much when he's out there. Probably not a, a huge threat for offense, but as a fourth line center option, he's a, definitely a worthwhile bet at league minimum. Uh, I think the Leafs probably would prefer to have Spezza on the wing. So having a guy like Travis Boyd who can maybe fill that fourth line center role after uh, Freddie Goche's departure it's definitely a worthwhile bet for a year at league minimum. Um, G- uh, Jimmy VC was one that kind of surprised me a little bit. It's funny after, you know, uh, someone should ask Darren Dreger if the Leafs can trade William Nylander now. Oh, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that one fell on deaf ears. That's an old one. That's a, that's a throwback. Um, oh, man. <laughs> but uh, no, I think that's another good signing for under a million dollars. Another guy, like if it doesn't work out, you put him on waivers. Worst case, he goes to the minors, doesn't count against the salary cap. But he's a guy that's scored some goals in the NHL the last couple of years. Another big body, not an overly physical player, but he's someone that can, you know, maybe add some secondary scoring. And at that price, uh, it, it's hard to argue with. Uh, the one I, I'm growing more excited with is uh, Joey Anderson, especially seeing like it, the, how difficult it's been for other teams to move money around the league. So f- to be able to even move Janssen and not have to retain anything and still get someone that looks like a useful piece for the future. And Joey Anderson, I think that was a, a pretty good deal. I mean, obviously he's not as good as Andreas Janssen is right now. He, he might never be, but he does look like someone who could be a useful NHL player. And I think uh, that quote about wanting to model his game after Zach Hyman was, was just great. I love to hear that mm-hmm. because who does Hyman on the team, right? Oh, yeah. uh, it, it makes an impact in the bottom six this year, and he'll be a lot cheaper than Andreas Janssen was. Like, 
And when you think about it, Andreas Janssen was a player that was hardly in the Leafs lineup last year. So yeah, sure, you're subtracting him, but he was already subtracted from that lineup for a lot of last year. So they had to clear that money. Uh, it's hard to win that kind of trade, but I still think that they got a decent asset back in return. It wasn't a total waste. Oh, for sure. Can I just, can I just oh. mention before we move on, uh, Rachel Dory did quite a good mm. thread. Oh yeah, I knew you were gonna out. like that, yeah. that one, Mike. <laughs> because there's a little there's a little tidbit of information there that uh, compares him to uh, a specific player that Michael loves, specifically loves. Um, yep. Blake yeah, I, I think I was pretty quick to send that to Michael the other day oh, when yeah. Rachel tweeted that out. <laughs> when I saw that, yeah. I knew I knew I, like uh, Michael would see that. <laughs> for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, uh, for whatever reason, I really like Blake. Coleman and I really want him to be on the Leafs. So anytime <laughs> there's any mention of the Leafs and Blake Coleman, I get really excited. So this is a pretty exciting acquisition, uh, Joey Anderson, and I hope he does develop into a Blake Coleman slash Zach Hyman type player. Oh yeah. Oh, if, if he if he can be anything close to either one of those guys, I, I think it's a, a pretty salvageable trade for Janssen. I mean, if I recall, I remember your tweet uh, where you tweeted out, you know, his defensive numbers, and they they seem pretty impressive. Yeah, Anderson in a very limited role with the Devils last year. He actually he put up like really outstanding uh, defensive impacts. Again, it's hard to take a lot out of such a small sample size, but it's still encouraging nonetheless that that uh, he could perform that well in even limited minutes. You know, in his first uh, taste of NHL action. So yeah, I, I definitely think he he's not a nothing. He wasn't a it wasn't a pure cap dump kind of trade. I, it, it was obviously about shedding salary, but they still got a useful asset. Oh, yeah. It wasn't like they got, you know, like a fifth round pick, but they actually got someone useful and someone that honestly, given given some time, you know, he could make a few appearances with the Leafs. Yeah, absolutely. I, I expect him to probably play some games with the Leafs this year uh, in a bottom six role. And, you know, again, just going back to like adding a different flavor to the lineup. If he can, you know, be a Zach Hyman light lower in the lineup, I think that diversifies the look of the bottom six and what they're capable of and what they could provide for the, the Leafs team as a whole. Oh, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Um, we're going to, there's a question here that I'm just going to probably save until the fan questions. Cause a lot of fans have been asking it, but I want to just talk about just the, the, over, the outlook going into next season. So the Leafs are probably going to make another move. We can both, we can all agree on that. But yeah. let's assume they don't make any other moves, either being signings or free agency. As of right now, how do you think the Leafs should adjust their lines? Uh, well, it's funny you ask. I was messing with it a little bit earlier. I think, um, you know, we've seen there, it's been more about like duos in the forward group for the last couple of years. They've been interchangeable, uh, but I think you'll see any combination of, you know, one of Mariner or Nylander will be playing on the Matthews line and the other one will be on the Tavares line. Um, and then I think you're probably looking at Hyman will probably play with, with uh, the Matthews line. And I see probably Mikheyev with the Tavares group. So I've got it down right now. Uh, Matthews between Hyman and Mariner. And then I've got Tavares between Nylander and Mikheyev. Nylander switched over to the left side last year. Um, I don't know if that's going to be a permanent thing. He seemed to like it, uh, but I think Mikheyev is capable on, on either wing as well. So uh, it'll probably be more about uh, how Nylander is more comfortable and more effective. So 
but I think that's probably your your top six group going into the season. And then there's a lot of questions below that. That there's so many bodies right now. Um, you know, you've got. I'd say Nick Robertson is probably going to be on the team. They took him into their uh, their play-in series with Columbus, and he didn't look out of place at all, in my opinion. Um, and there's so much uncertainty. Like, is there going to be an OHL season to send him back to Peterborough anyway? So it, it doesn't look like it. So if there's not, they're definitely going to keep him up with the NHL team and get him at least on the ice with, with them for the year. Um, rather than, you know, the alternative of letting him sit out. Uh, and you've got right now Kerfoot's the third line center. And then Jimmy Vesey, I think, is going to compete for minutes on that third line. Um, Simmons, see, I, like I said before, I think Simmons is probably pegged to start on the fourth line. But depending on the composition of the bottom six, I could see him, you know, maybe starting out on that third line alongside Kerfoot and Robertson, you know, just to have maybe a little more Kerfoot and Robertson are both pretty small guys. Uh, they work hard, but neither one of them is overly physical. It have that presence of Simmons, a bit of a, a veteran, bigger body uh, on that line. I could see that happening. Um, like I said before, I think they probably would prefer to have Spets on the wing. So I think, Travis Boyd might have the uh, inside track for the fourth line center job right now. He'll probably compete with uh, maybe Pierre Engvall if he isn't moved, which I think he probably will be just because, well, we're talking about all these names at the bottom of the Leafs forward group. I still haven't mentioned Alex Barabanov or Joey Anderson or Igor Korshkov, even a Nick Patan or Adam Brooks, or guys that got into games for the Leafs last year. All those guys make like at least a half a million dollars less than Engvall or in most cases anyway. I just don't think with a team that's so tight to the cap that they can afford to have a 1.25 million Pierre Engvall on the fourth line, mm-hmm. especially with all these bodies. So I, I don't know what the future holds for him. I, I don't know if he's going to be here when the season starts. They might, even if they don't move him, they may be forced to start the season with him in the minors or off the roster and, and bury most of that contract just because they have cheaper options who might be able to provide the same kind of value. Um, yeah. So I, I think you've got Matthews between Hyman and Mariner Tavares between Nylander and McKayev, then probably Kerfoot between uh, Robertson and either Simmons or VC at this point, Maybe Bear Banov. We don't know what he is at all, really. Um, he's kind of a wild card in all of this. Uh, I'd we did the same thing last year with Mikheyev. I, th- I think most people probably had him penciled in on the fourth line to start the year. And yeah, he's sure he's probably the exception to the rule when it comes to European free agents. But uh, we don't know what Bear Banov is. Uh, I think just for safety purposes, it, it's best to pencil him in as a fourth liner right now, just because penciling him in any higher would probably be irresponsible um but yeah i think that's what we're looking at right now the fourth line and i think one of those wing spots on the third line are still kind of up in the air and as you alluded to there's probably still some moves to come Mm -hmm. and then uh we'll just we'll just go through it quickly but yeah i mean the defensive core i think that's where people really want to know um how that might shape up well again there's a lot of bodies there too Mm -hmm. right now um 
you've got Riley is going to probably play with Brody, like we said earlier. And then, I mean, Justin Hall's the interesting name here because he he was one half of the only effective uh, defensive pairing for the Leafs last year with Muzzin. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's hard to argue that that should be broken up. So I'd say if the roster stays the way it is right now and there's no other moves, I, I think they probably start with Riley, Brody, and then Muzzin Hall for their top four. Um, right now, I've got the third pair as uh, Miko Leighton and Travis Dermott on the right side. Dubas has already said that uh, he projects Dermott onto the right side for the next season. Um, that leaves, you know, Zach Bogosian as the extra guy. I, I, I don't think that he's going to be the extra guy all the time by any means. I think he's definitely going to get into more than his fair share of games. The Leafs could even take a page out of Tampa's book and run seven defensemen and 11 forwards some nights, but that still leaves Rasmus Sandin and, you know, Timothy Lilligren on the outside looking in. Um, that, that's why I think Hall is interesting because, depending on how you feel about Dermot, he might be able to provide the same kind of impact. I, I know that I think that he could at least provide the same amount of value as Hall did alongside Muzzin. Um, it's definitely risky to, to just, it's funny to even talk about trading a right-handed defenseman after we've just been trying to rebuild the right side of our blue line for so long. There's just a lot of depth right now outside of Hall, and he his contract isn't, you know, it isn't bad at two million dollars by any means. It's it's definitely a nice cap hit for for what he brought to the team last year. Yeah. But could that money be reallocated elsewhere on the roster? You know, the the bottom six of the forward group is starting to look a little thin, um, and you've got the options like like again like Barabanov. We don't really know what Leighton is. I mean, he looks like he's going to be a, a capable NHL player, but until he does it, we don't really know. Um, but he's definitely going to get his chance to to show that he is or isn't. So I think you have to pencil him into the lineup. And yeah, the, the, you still got Dermot, Bogosian, and Sandine below Hall there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's some guys on the outside looking in. I, I just wonder if they might look at trading Justin Hall to uh, to free up some of that salary and maybe add another forward or they could still even try to reallocate that salary combined with a guy like Engvall or something to to add another defenseman on the right side mm-hmm. that they might like better than Hall or a Dermot or something like that. So I don't think we're done yet, but right now it's shaken out like uh, Riley, Brody, and then Muzzin and Hall and the third pair would be Dermot and probably uh, Leighton and Bogosian going in and out of the lineup yeah. oh yeah and i gotta ask uh of course i mean this will be the last question before we head into uh listener questions but Mackenzie weger was uh, a name being thrown out there and still is being thrown out there kind of linked to the leafs um yeah and trade talks um is he one player that you would like um you know slotting into the to the leafs top four i would absolutely love to acquire Mackenzie weger Mm-hmm. Uh, former Halifax Moosehead too, so mm-hmm. I, I'm familiar with him from going way back. Uh, it's actually been nice to see him develop into such a valuable NHL player. Um, what, yeah, what can you he, say about him? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, a lot of fans, you know, didn't know who he was until he started uh, appearing <laughs> yeah. in trade talks this week. It, yeah, this year's Colin Miller. Hey, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
no, I think you just you look at the way he plays the game. Uh, he can move the puck. He's a really strong defensive presence. He's not scared to mix it up. You know, he's got good size. He's just a, a really steady defender, uh, a rare case of a, a right-handed shooting defenseman who spent most of last year on the left side, but he played on the top pair with Aaron Eckblad in Florida, um, had really, really strong uh, isolated impacts and really strong defensive results. I, I think and with his age and everything like that, I think he would just slot really nicely into the, the, uh, the group that the Leafs have put together and the window that they're, that they're trying to win in uh yeah like ideally for me if, if you could still make some kind of move where you maybe i don't know uh save some money at 3c by by shipping out kerfoot if you can find you, you have to, to have a guy that you know can do the job before you consider moving out a guy like kerfoot but if you could do that and find you know a, a cheaper third line center and then shed engvall's salary and and maybe send hall back in some kind of deal to add Uyghur to this group now would just be, it would be probably the best uh, Leafs defensive unit that any of us have seen in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Um, I think I just want to mention before we start the questions that I think these last few questions have, uh, last few these answers have pretty much answered questions that Dan Beasley and of course, Quinn Storm uh, were asking. So thank you guys for those questions. I hope the answers that Nick just provided were pretty good. Uh, I will start off with this uh, this one here. This comes from uh, at Papa Yachty. He asks, what prospects outside of the main ones, Robertson, Sandy, etc., are you most looking forward to? And what areas could the player impact the team? Uh, a couple of my favorites, are, are, and I might be a little biased because I've, I've got to see this guy more often than, than many of the other Leafs prospects. Um, Mikhail Abramov, who's uh, the captain of uh, the Victoriaville Tigers this year. I, I really, really like uh, the pick the Leafs made to add him to the organization to pick him up in the fourth round last year. was uh, was a really nice pick. He had a, a massive year for Victoriaville last year on a team that he didn't have very much help at all. Uh, I think he had like 35 more points than the next highest scoring player on his team. Like He almost doubled them. Um, yeah, he's one that's really exciting. He's got a lot of offensive talent. He was more of like a playmaker going into his draft year. There was questions about, you know, his uh, his overall offensive game and how he could impact the game outside of just you know setting up his teammates. But he he came in last year and he just shot the lights out. He fired the puck at a much higher volume and scored at a much higher volume. Um, really showed to be more of like a dual offensive threat but I think he's the kind of player who he works hard enough away from the puck uh, or he has shown that he can I think he could probably find some more consistency in that part of his game but he's smart enough and skilled enough to to uh, you know translate those abilities to his play away from the puck too I think he's really got the potential to be a, a really good middle six center for the Leafs in the coming years. I mean, he's still a little ways away. He, he's still just playing in junior hockey. Um, but as a fourth round pick, he's someone that's looking really promising. Another one is uh, from last year's draft, uh, Miko Kokkonen over in Finland. Mm-hmm. He um, uh, He's just 19 years old, I think. And 
was already named uh, an alternate captain for for his team in Liga, and uh, of the four guys wearing letters, he's by far the youngest one. Uh, the other three guys are all 29 years old or or more. So a guy like Kokkinen, he's showing that he's already a really imp- uh, important part of his team over in Finland, and he, he's uh, respected by his teammates and by the coaching staff and, and management group over there. He's just a, a really, really steady defender. You, you know, you see a lot of the Finnish guys like that. I hate to pigeonhole guys, but you know, a, a lot of those really quiet and steady, smart defenders. He, he just, he thinks the game really well. He skates well enough. He's not a really big guy, but he, he uh, yeah, maintains a tight gap. And like I said, skates well can move the puck just a really smart player a guy who projects uh, to probably make the nhl and, and be a solid uh bottom four defender absolutely i think that's uh those are two players mm-hmm. in leaf system uh, that i think are very exciting obviously like i was talking about earlier you need to always try and find the best talent you possibly can and hope that either a they can uh, be uh impactful on the main team or at least in the farm system or number two, they have that same impact, but you're able to package them off and get the necessary talent that you need. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's what, like we were talking about before with uh, Amarov and the whole Leafs having to trade that first round pick. The other thing is they've got some picks next year too that they, they can still trade for help if the right deal presents itself. Um, so yeah, it's always just try to add the most talent to your organization that you can in any way that you can at any time that you can and you'll be better for it like yeah a guy like Hawkinen who maybe even if he doesn't ever uh project or progress to the point where he makes an impact on this team he looks like a guy who will probably be an NHL defenseman somewhere so that has value whether it's in your lineup or as part of a trade like you said yeah absolutely agree um sure. next question comes from uh at G- Jihad Raya. He's oh, asking, my boy. Hey, there we go. Shout out to Jihad. First Shout of all, out. he asks uh, a more serious question, question and one that's been posed to me. At what kind of return does it start making sense to move him, and how often do players like that come up for trade? Oh, why did he have to do this to me? <laughs> um, uh, he would know as well as anybody that uh, I'm probably a little biased when it comes to Travis Dermott. I, I'm Aside from maybe Ian Tullock, I'm probably the <laughs> biggest Travis Dermott fan out there. Um, uh, yeah, I think you still have to consider it just because of the the depth that the Leafs do have on the blue line. You've got to consider the uh, expansion draft coming up and the the realistic possibility that you could end up losing a guy like Dermott for nothing as much as it pains me. Um it's difficult to say, really, uh, especially right now with in such a unprecedented, you know, trade market and free agency market and everything like that. Uh, at what point the return would be worth it? I think uh, maybe if you could get a comparable defenseman who held his stick the other way, if that sort of thing matters to you, I, I don't know. I, I still, I still believe that Dermot has all the tools to be a really effective top four defender. Like we just got a guy like TJ Brody. You look a few years into the future and it, it's not really that difficult for me to imagine Travis Dermott making the same kind of impact that TJ Brody does and being the same kind of player. Like they have really similar skill sets and 
yeah, I'm a really big fan of Dermot, so it'd be hard for me to trade him at all. But if you could get like a comparable uh, right-handed defenseman, like comparable in age and, and talent level, or like I spoke uh, about Hall earlier, maybe reallocating that kind of salary up front, if you could get uh, you know a young forward around Dermot's age, same kind of talent level, you know, the same kind of salary that Dermot's uh, going to command on this contract, which probably won't be a whole lot. Um, I think you'd probably have to consider it. Um, it would be really difficult for me because I, I think uh, to the second part of the question, uh, young defensemen at this age with uh, top four potential and the tools that Travis Dermott has, they really don't become available very often. And once you trade one, you usually end up looking for another one really soon. So I, I don't really have much interest in uh, trading Dermot, but everyone's got their price. If a team came knocking with a, with a comparable young center or a right-handed defenseman, I think Dubas would probably listen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we got one more question. It comes from at Sean Trimestra, who asked about uh, TJ Brody. On first off, Carlo Koliakwa was saying that Brody was a left-handed Tyson Berry. That they, that that there was a reason Calgary was trying to upgrade their deep core, and there's a reason they let him walk. What is your idea behind all this? No disrespect to Carlo, but I I disagree with that assessment. Um, first of all, if Calgary was trying to upgrade their their decor, letting Brody go to replace him with Chris Tanev probably wasn't the best plan. Um, yeah, I, I don't think Brody is a, a left-handed Barry at all. Um, we all watched Barry last year, and those who have watched him in Colorado in uh, previous years, I don't think anybody would call Tyson Barry a stout defender or a towering defensive presence or anything like that. Uh, even you look at his, his underlying metrics in the past, he, he's never shown to be an effective defensive player. He's he's made his hay in the NHL as a as an offensive blue liner, and uh, TJ Brody is just almost the exact opposite. I mean, he's a guy who can chip in with a little bit of offense, and I, I'm sure he would be capable of r- running a second power play unit if he had to. And he moves the puck well and everything like that. He does do a lot of things that Tyson Berry does, perhaps not as well, but he does a lot of things that Tyson Berry doesn't do, and he does them quite well. Uh, he's a much better transition defender. He's much better in zone defender. Uh, yeah, I, I just I don't see the the comparison at all, and I, I wouldn't be too concerned that we're gonna have uh, Tyson Berry 2.0 with TJ Brody. I think he's he's a much better fit for what the Leafs have been looking for on the right side of their blue line. Absolutely, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Tyson Berry, TJ Brody was the player that the Leafs really wanted in the initial Catry trade. And while Tyson Berry did well in the key portion of last season, I don't think yeah. the fit was truly there. Yeah, and that's another thing that, that we should talk about for a second is like Barry definitely wasn't awesome for the Leafs last year, but I really don't think he was the complete unmitigated disaster that he's maybe been made out to be in, in a lot of corners of social media. Mm-hmm. And other media, frankly, but I, I'm I still I didn't have any desire to to keep him on the team or anything like that. But I, I think maybe some of the criticism was just a tad overboard. He definitely wasn't what the Leafs needed. He didn't provide 
the value they were probably hoping for last year. It, it clearly wasn't a fit, but he still had a, a half decent season. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he was, you know, replacement level or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And, and also after uh, Babcock was fired, his numbers definitely started to trend upwards. Definitely not to where expectations were, but yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, it was definitely uh, not hard to tell that it probably wasn't the most pleasant situation for Barry mm-hmm. under Babcock. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, uh, Michael, are there any other questions for Nick? I guess really the only other question is, uh, are there anything you want to plug for social media or anything mm-hmm. like that? For sure. Uh, well, uh, definitely uh, we were busy at uh, the Leafs Nation Oh, yeah. as, as you know oh yeah <laughs> we've been we've been over there the, the last couple of weeks uh, leading up to the draft and with all the draft coverage and now going into um, free agency and the uh, trade season here so uh my main focus uh, of late for the Leafs nation has been uh, keeping up on the prospects and uh, doing draft coverage and all that um i've started putting out a, a weekly prospect roundup i i try to have it out every friday on the Leafs nation just keeping tabs on uh Leafs prospects that are currently playing overseas or whatever else is going on with them uh, just to keep the Leafs fans up to date on what the uh, next crop of potential Maple Leafs uh, are up to and how they're progressing. Um, I do have uh, something else in the works uh, coming hopefully soon. Um, There's a a new podcast uh, starting up with myself and uh, a couple of friends of mine, uh, fellow Leafs fans slash writers, I guess. Um, and you can keep an eye out for that on Twitter. Uh, it'll be coming hopefully soon. There we go. We have some news, some breaking news there, but uh, <laughs> definitely any listeners, uh, make sure you stay tuned for uh, Nick's new podcast. And honestly, any listeners uh, out there, make sure you check out his work. Um, if you, if you want, if you want to know more about anything to do with prospects, um, Nick is your guy. So make sure you check out his stuff on the Leafs Nation. And we'll, we'll be linking great. to his uh, draft recap that he wrote uh, just after the draft, which I thought was a really good read. Uh, I think you guys would really like it too if you haven't gotten a chance to. So that'll also be in the description for this week's podcast. Mm-hmm. So uh, All right, guys. Uh, yeah, hey, Thanks so much. No, I mean, other than that, yeah, thank you for coming on. Uh, it was it was a pleasure. It was a really fun conversation, and we, we really enjoyed it. No, this was a lot of fun. I uh, really appreciate you guys having me on. I, I hope we can do it again. Of course. Absolutely. Of course. Um, so, yeah, thanks, man. We're back and man that was an awesome discussion with nick um i had a lot of fun me too i really enjoyed that discussion mm-hmm. so uh again uh for any of you guys who want to you know check out his work i highly highly recommend uh reading his stuff and also checking out his twitter and watch out for that podcast that he's talking about um that he's start gonna start up soon um his 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 details will be in the uh description for this podcast episode but uh before we officially close out this episode um i do want to kind of go over we'll go over some super quickly some sports uh news that happened this week i mean of course we talked about you know hockey's over and basketball just concluded um for both the nba and the wnba but uh 
baseball. Hey, I mean, we, we gave our predictions last week and, uh, you know, that round has come and gone. And now as we, as we say here, um, we have the Rays and the Astros currently, um, going at it. And we also have the Dodgers and the, uh, Braves and, might I say we were completely wrong with our AL predictions? Yep, I I, <laughs> I definitely remember saying, "Oh, the Yankees probably have a shot to beat the." I mean, uh, they did the... they did take them to five games, if anything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but, but I think the one team I'm the most sad about. Well, there's two teams I'm sad about. First of all, I'm sad that the A's were not able to destroy, take down the uh, the Asteroids, mm-hmm. and how fun that would the reaction that would have been. But also, I'm really more sad with the the Miami Marlins. If you remember, they've entered this year having not lost a playoff series in their entire existence. And I thought to myself, if there's anything that could happen this year, it'd be the Miami Marlins just uh, derping their way to a World Series title. And <laughs> unfortunately, they got swept by the Braves. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, let's let's be real. It's the Braves, though, and the Braves, I honestly think, you know, very well so could go to the uh world series this uh this season um it's definitely yep. this 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 series that we're gonna watch over the next couple uh couple days um the dodgers and the braves is gonna be very very close and very tight um but yeah i'm excited for that more more so than uh you know the rays right now they're sitting to they're sitting up to oh uh over the astros so you know i i mean i wouldn't say i'm pulling for one over the other but it's definitely going to be very very uh a very very good uh, last few games here yeah while we make our predictions quickly for how we think the alcs and nlcs will go i mean like i said the rays are up to nothing i don't see them blowing it or anything like that i really think they are a strong team i could see them going to the um to the world series yeah and the braves are a really good team and like i said it's going to be a very close series but i still think it's going to be the dodgers I think it's the Dodgers. I think this championship is the Dodgers to win, especially given, you know, kind of how they were kind of, you know, how they lost the last championship given, uh, you know, against Houston and, and all the cheating th- things that, that transpired. Um, it's definitely theirs to, to, to win here. Yep. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be the Rays and the Dodgers in the world series. And, uh, I know I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but I, I definitely think the the Dodgers are my pick to win the World Series. For sure. We'll revisit this in a few episodes and see what happens. <laughs> yep. See how wrong we are. Oh, yeah. Um, And then in NFL news, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's been a bunch of games, of course, uh, on Sunday and, and over, the, over the week. But uh, my Browns got another win. So there's that um, over the Cowboys. And uh, what about what about your Bills? Uh, so first of all, I wanted to shout out the Browns. They've actually had their best start, uh, in quite a long time. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, what four and one for the first time since 1994. That's, that's, it's their time to shine. It's been long overdue. that The Browns had a good team. And I think a lot of, uh, NFL fans would agree that, uh, the Browns had, had to have one good year every once in a while. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'll just quickly go over the Bills. As we talk, talked about last week, they were supposed to be playing on Sunday, but that game got postponed to Tuesday because of a bunch of COVID tests with the Tennessee Titans. Even though there was a positive test that was, I believe, yesterday, that game is still going to be played. I'm not so confident in that. I think it shouldn't be played. It should have been uh, canceled. 
and uh, just get the Bills a forfeit win. But I digress. If it's safe to do so, you play it. But I don't know. I'm just not a big fan of the way the NFL is running this, and they should be doing a better job of uh, handling COVID cases, such as uh, what we're seeing with the Titans. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that's a whole discussion in its own, in its own self, uh, which we spoke about last week. Um, but I mean, can't really do much about how they're, they've de- the NFL has decided to go about um, continuing the season. But yeah, I mean, we could just hope that all the players uh, soon test uh, negative and that, you know, they're able to continue the season safely. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the other thing I w- wanted to, we want to discuss earlier, Ed, Nick mentioned it when we were doing the uh, interview yeah. with him, uh, mm-hmm. was the injury against the uh, New York Giants, which was, uh, I'm watching it for the first time now, and it's very, ugh, very tough to watch. Poor yeah. Todd Prescott. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty a pretty graphic injury, and, and it's a very unfortunate injury, and I mean, there's been, I believe it was his brother who updated on, uh, on social media, um, you know, kind of that he was, uh, you know, he's recovering positively. So that's a great sign, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's a very, very tough injury and we're just hoping for a speedy recovery there. Absolutely. Uh, it's tough for the Cowboys, especially because it was, it's already been a tough start to the year for them. And I believe it's a three, one or three, one and four, something like that. Mm. It's uh, now going to be very difficult for them to make a run at the playoffs. So I think it might be in their best interest to just focus on re- rebuilding and just uh, stockpiling on draft picks for next year. Oh yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's very unfortunate, um, but we'll see. We'll see. I know Dallas fans have been have been waiting for a good season here, and and unfortunately, you know, just just a bit of bad luck there. But uh, of course. Wish for a speed recovery. Absolutely. Speed recovery goes out to Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think we'll wrap up this podcast with that. Um, again, you can find us on Twitter um, and we'll, we'll shout it out now. You can find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore. You can find me on Twitter at the Leafs IMO. You can find my work at the Leafs Nation. Same with Matthew. He also works for Raptors HQ. Mm hmm. And uh, you can also follow our uh, podcast account at on, on Twitter at, at Behind the Net Pod. And um, yeah, you could send us any questions, any uh, any questions you want to hear. You want know, to send us some feedback or any other ideas on there. Um, you can even just say hey, um, yeah. And uh, that's that's pretty much all for this weekend. Well, uh, happy Thanksgiving, and yeah. uh, we'll see you guys, or we'll we'll talk to you guys next week. Peace, guys. Peace.